Alrighty, Betrayer. We'll start recording the intro in three, two, one, and... Fine, then, I guess we'll do it. Um, this is a spoiler warning, you pathetic mortals, so... Um, is there a, a, a problem there, big guy? You, you don't seem like you got your energy in it. Is everything good? No, no, we kind of no, need to get fine. this going. Nothing, nothing at all. Um, yes, so spoiler warning, you miserable worms. This content creator, Gleeman Tom, works really hard and reads the books and stuff, so if you've never read them, then, well, shame on you for one thing, because I'm in them and... Okay, I are you sure you're fine? Because, again, you're really not business. putting your heart into this. We, 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 <laughs> we don't really have a lot of time for a lot of takes. I, I, I mean, what, what's going on here, guy? I can't believe I'm asking this. What's wrong, Ishamael? Is is everything okay? No, no uh, everything's fine. I, I, I swear, every, everything's good. Um, it's... Uh, you know, it's just... You said I would have a lot of attention for doing these. How many? How long have I been doing these? I've been doing these since the beginning, right? I mean, then, then you had me do this extra stuff with the, the recap, and, uh, I mean, no interest. None at all. And it just... It makes me feel unimportant. It really does. I... I'm nameless. I'm the first among the chosen, and... Uh, no love. What recognition do I get for all my hard work, huh? N none. Nothing at all. I'm sent here babysitting you and, and haunting you and giving you Damn a Damn right job. you're haunting me. You never leave me to hell alone. Hell, even when I go to sleep. Last night, you're staring. You're, st you're sitting in my room while I'm trying to sleep in a dream. I mean, I Yet I'm unconscious and you're ripping pages out of my Eye of the, of the World novel and turning them into paper airplanes and throw them out the window. And then the oh, last one, oh, you're all smiling oh, and juggly and you toss it out the window and what happens? It's connected to a rope around my ankle dragging my <laughs> happy ass out of bed, sending me flying down the street, out the damn window while you're laughing. You're having a good time, man. I Like, isn't this the easiest job in the damn world for you, just messing with me? I mean, it sucks. Plus, you have been getting attention, alright? Plus, you've only done the recap once. The last chapter. So I don't know why you're acting like this now. And you have gotten support. We got this comment from... I, I, I can't pronounce it. Well, P6... Hufud? It's HWFD? He's commented a couple times, and his most recent one said, Loved it. You great did a great job out there, Baal Zaman. Isn't that great? We've had a, uh, a, a damn... Uh, one of our only two reviews on Apple Podcast is one saying the intro always makes him happy. Okay, like, okay, what, what if that, if that not support? Really I mean, cool I put out a post so on Twitter. Just like you asked, because you even wanted more attention like the giant, dark, evil baby you are. What? And Say guess what again. happened? No, you're not even listening we, to me we, we only you're got three likes. But one of them was from the dark one, and, and then the other one was from uh, Robin, and then two on. Yeah, you're good, hey, man. you're going to let me talk? You're going to let me talk? Because you just kept talking over me, and no one is going to be able to hear what I was saying. Okay, you ask how I'm feeling, you actually take the time to ask about another person in this wheel of time and nothing. 
You just want to go on about your own thing. So first of all, you're an asshole. And tonight, there's going to be two strings attached to your damn ankles. And secondly, uh, to the persons uh, who supported me, thank you. You're great. You're so much better than this piece of shit. Now that I think about it, we have been spending a lot of time here, and I may have been oversensitive, but you know, I, I don't like it here. It's just going to be a never-ending battle between the darkness and the light. I, I, just 3,000 years, I want it to end, and sometimes I get a little moody. But you didn't have to be such an asshole about it. You know what? You know what? You're right. You're, you're absolutely right. I was being rude. I was trying to be in a time crunch. I asked you... And just somehow this bit went on way too long. <laughs> what bit? Uh, but you're right. Being on the world for 3,000 years must suck. You know, it really kind of does. Right? So I'm, I'm sorry. Can we move past this? I mean, come on. Who's a global destroyer? I am. Who destroyed... The livelihoods of humans again and again, no matter how many times they rebuilt. <laughs> I did. I really Who started did. the Trollic Wars? <laughs> Me, I did that too. I mean, come on, don't all those atrocities make you feel better? Yeah, I guess it does. Alrighty then, let's just jump right into that recap, well, shall right, we? Let's, but uh, should we restart the uh, no, spoiler? No, I don't. I, I don't Morning. really think we have to go back and redo the spoiler intro. We're we're getting pretty far into the episode already. I think it would be better if we just we just moved it along, though. Thank you for offering. Yeah, okay, man. Sure, yeah, totally. Uh, just make sure more people yeah, support me next time so we don't have to go through all of this. Yeah, maybe next time don't show up drunk. What was that? Nothing, nothing. Let's just let's just let's just move things along now. Come on. <laughs> yeah, let's mm -hmm. let's do yep. that. Looks like I'm going to need four cords tonight when I extend you out the window with four-page paper airplanes. Moving on, I guessed. Last time on The Eye of the World, the chapter titled Strangers and Friends, turns out Randall Thor, the tall, red-haired one, is the one I was looking for because he was suffering from channeling sickness, obviously. It was kind of amusing. He was making all sorts of Ridiculous decisions that just plainly a sane person never would have made. Makes me wonder if a little bit of loose Theron was speaking out, if you get what I mean. <laughs> Anyways, he meets this girl, Min, who honestly seems extremely dangerous, and I think I need to send some of my assassins to murder her. Do it and die! What was that? Try it. I dare you. Oh, oh, that reminds me, this is gonna piss him off. Pot on Fane was in the chapter, and Rand was so stupid, he let my hound go. He was so stupid, he told my hound where he was. Oh, child, I said I, you were doing such a good job raising Luce Theron. Really, you're giving us all a great time. <laughs> Anyways, then, uh, Rand, was it? Yeah, Luz Theron, whatever. Luz Theron runs into some white cloaks and makes a fool out of himself. Very entertaining to watch. And if it really wasn't fool Luz Theron, those fools in white never stood a chance at all. <laughs> Honestly, it was, it was quite good. Uh, the boys talk to that bastard Gleeman about my dreams to them. At least they're not telling the child I said I, so she's not making a nuisance of herself. But still, man. I mean, why tell him? 
He actually seems kind of dangerous. Maybe I should send someone I to swear kill. it, Elon. I will Again, cut can't you. I kill anyone? <laughs> Not unless it's scripted. <laughs> uh, fine. Well, that's the end. They, they start heading back to the inn after talking to the Gleeman because they're worried Perrin will talk about the dream to someone. And honestly, I've terrorized all three in their dreams. Honestly, he seems the most rational. I don't... I don't understand why the insane trickster and Luz Theron, who's clearly mad, are worried about the rational one doing something. Oh, because they're all crazy. Got it. Yeah. So their wisdom is here, that child girl with the braid that actually seems to have a concerning amount of power. Luckily, she doesn't know about it yet. Maybe I should take uh -huh. steps. Right? Of course, I know. Moving on to your damn podcast, then. Shit, it's my part of the damn podcast, and he still doesn't let me talk peacefully. Gladly, because this has taken a ridiculous amount of time. Point in fact, hello everybody, and welcome back to Gleeman Radio, your home for the Return to the Wheel of Time podcast. We, we really took that long? We've only gotten to the... <laughs> Yes, it is true. Practically nine minutes in, and we're only name-dropping the episode. My god, I am so, so sorry. We're gonna just move straight into the chapter breakdown, because... <laughs> this is why you don't work with dark friends, with the Forsaken, because everything just goes wrong. I, I am so sorry. So, moving on, because this chapter was really, really good. I, I mean, it's been a kind of a precedence for me all the way back towards the end of high school, reading these books on the bus on the way to or from school to be checking how many pages are left in the chapter, how much more do I have to cover, you know, before I have to shut the book. And uh, I didn't do it on this chapter because it was so entertaining and so engaging that I just marathoned through it with only just very, very quick breaks to take notes in between to flying back into the pages. It wasn't a long chapter, but it was a good chapter. So let's talk about it now. Why should I? Nynaeve demanded. Why should I help hide you? Or what you are? I've come to take Egwene and the boys back to Women's Field. Not help you spirit them away. Tom broke in, in a scornful voice. If you want them to see their village again, or you either, you had better be more careful. There are those in Berlon who would kill her, he jerked his head toward Moraine, for what she is. Him, too. He indicated Lan, then abruptly moved forward to put his fists on the table. He loomed over Nynaeve, and his long mustaches and thick eyebrows suddenly seemed threatening. Her eyes widened, and she started to lean back away from him. Then her back stiffened defiantly. Tom did not appear to notice. He went right on in an ominously soft voice. They'd swarm over this inn like murderous ants on a rumor, a whisper. Their hate is that strong. Their desire to kill or take any like these two. And the girl, the boys, you... You are all associated with them. Enough for the White Cloaks, anyway. You wouldn't like the way they ask questions, especially when the White Tower is involved. White Cloak questioners assume you're guilty before they start. 
And they have only one sentence for that kind of guilt. They don't care about finding the truth. They think they know that already. All they go after with their hot irons and pincers is a confession. Best you remember, some secrets are too dangerous for saying aloud, even when you think you know who hears. He straightened with a muttered, I seem to tell that to people often of late. Alrighty, guys, I think it's just time to jump right into chapter 16, The Wisdom. Like I said, I love this chapter. To me, this proves, again, to me, that Nynaeve has always been the person I say she is. I love Nynaeve. And it's okay if you guys don't. That That's fine. But to me, this is... A priceless naive chapter before she even gets her own POV you know what I mean um, let's start out uh, the chapter icon it's some trefoil leaf on a vine I don't I, I, I don't know if it's the trefoil leaf but a trefoil leaf is a three-leafed plant so moving on that was pointless and probably boring so the group are heading through the common room, led by Perrin, and everybody's nervous as hell. Uh, Rand is so busy kind of trying to plan out his argument to Nynaeve that all of a sudden he's taken by surprise when an arm reaches out and snags him from the darkness and pulls him off to the side. And his friends are so distracted, they're still walking. And he turns, and to his horror, it's Min who... <laughs> Uh, he's just trying to get away. He's like, hey, no more of your you-can't-escape-me foolishness. You're freaking me out, woman. I am running. And she just grabs his arm again. She's like, I don't have time for this. Listen, there's this woman who showed up. Oh, no, no I'm jumping ahead. I'm jumping ahead. She pulled him aside, and then Tom makes a comment that's just absolutely hysterical. He's like, no time for that now, boy. <laughs> he thought Rand was going off to... Have a good time. Snuggle up, I don't know. What what did Matt call it in a later book? Play a game of slap and tickle? That's just no, that's just vulgar. Come on. That what am I doing here? Um <laughs> So uh Min appraises Tom after his comment, and she even tops the hilarity because she just gives him a look and she's like, go juggle something, and then pulls uh, Rand even further aside. And his friends are torn because, one, they're irritated, possibly, because Rand's talking to another pretty girl, even though they're waiting to go talk to a scary pretty girl, and Egwene is the one that he's apparently betrothed to. Or it's just like they want to get this over with. But at the same time, they're like half relieved. They're like, oh, thank God, a reprieve. <sighs> For just a little bit longer. Just a little bit longer. We don't have to go face Nynaeve. <laughs> yeah, so Rand's like, I don't have a time for your fool talk of escaping. Very funny. Um, but she interrupts him by describing Nynaeve. You know, oh, this woman arrived at the end. Uh, dark eyes, dark hair, uh, braid down to her waist, shorter than I am, pretty, whatever. Um, <laughs> and he's like, she's part of it. Uh, the sparks, Rand. When she showed up, the sparks were crazy. And just the sparks when she was alone with Mistress Alice lit up the room and like she's like with all of the all of you together at the inn in the same time she's like shocked the inn's not on fire there's just so much of it and not only that now that in um Nynaeve's here at the inn 
they're in more danger than they are than they were before she made it to the end. So we already know Nynaeve's stubbornness. If things aren't settled, might go the wrong way. I think it's to build tension here, but I don't know. I've always understood from the beginning Nynaeve was a good person. She was just set in her own ways. Um, I love the whole uh, Nynaeve and Mistress Alice alone filled the room with sparks. One, because it's the joke on those two ladies never got along. Not really. And two... They were so tied together. I mean, she inherits his warder, and she basically inherits his mission. It was supposed to be a, a Gwaine that was the younger female channeler kind of advisor that's there to say, Hey, Rand, cool your jets. Remember who you are. This was a Gwaine for a while, but then it became Nynaeve. And I think Nynaeve was better at it because... She wasn't always competing with Ran <laughs> like a Gwen did seem to. Uh, it was it was it was great, uh, but Ran doesn't have time for this craziness. Uh, he only like waits long enough to tell her that no matter what, Nynaeve won't do anything to hurt them, which proves that even though they're terrified to go see her, even though at the end of the last chapter they described it as heading in to face Trollocs, right? They believe, without question, that Nynaeve means them no real harm. It's just she complicates things. <laughs> so he pulls free from her and runs back over to join his friends because, well, they need to go see Nynaeve. And I love how as he pulled his free from her, uh, himself free from her, she gave a squawking sound. And then as he went to, you know, with Perrin and Matt and Tom down the hall, he looks back at her and she waves her fists and stomps. I, I, I don't know if I should call that cute or funny or what. I just, I like it. Men is just great from the beginning. That's awesome. I, 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 I'm just happy to meet a character and immediately like them and immediately join, enjoy their whole thing and and so far men's just been fantastic <laughs> too bad we're not going to see much more of her here oh man so rand's not thinking what a surprise lately he hasn't been doing a whole lot of that before he talks and he blurts out what she said to him that Nynaeve was part of it and the others are kind of kind of giving him confused looks but Matt understands, since Rand slipped earlier and told uh, Matt about the dagger and that stuff while he was in his fever, right? <sighs> you know, I'm wondering right here if Taverans could affect Taverans at times, right? Like, maybe Rand being sick and off his game, Matt's Taveran kind of pulsed for a second, and then Rand splat out, uh, spat out the information that made sure Matt took the dagger later. I mean, if he hadn't mentioned it, if a dagger with a ruby wasn't on his mind, would he have been so adamant about taking it? Maybe, but I, I, I can hold on to hope. And this has nothing to do with anything in this chapter, so we should move on. Uh, but then he kind of, like, realizes... That he said too much to his friends, and instead of explaining it all, he just kind of gives Matt a warning look, and then tries to pass it off with a 
yeah, story of, uh, well, uh, guys, <clears throat> she saw Nynaeve talking with Mr. Salas, you see, and, uh, she thought that, uh, she might have something to do with us. Uh, that's all I meant. She thinks Nynaeve's part of it. Yeah, yeah, that's it. It is, it's a lame excuse of a cover story, okay? We know that. But it's nice he's already trying to protect her secret, her secret even if he's doing so very poorly. I mean, let's just, like, last, last episode, I forgot to say anything about it, but there was actually a moment where he's like, man, secrets are hard. Watching your tongue is hard. And I'm like, yeah, why don't you apologize to Matt now? <laughs> so they arrive at the door. And they're all really, really reluctant to go inside. Perrin especially. And it's weird how Rand kind of makes a comment about it in his head. He's like, well, man, even Perrin, his size and muscle and bigness, like, hesitates at the door. Like, what, what does his size have to do with Nynaeve? I, I don't know. <laughs> they all head inside, and it turns out to be the private dining room from the night before. Uh, and Moraine and Nynaeve are seated at the opposite sides of the heads of the table, right? And Egwene is standing against the wall behind Nynaeve with her cloak pulled up to hide her unbraided hair. Yeah, doesn't want Nynaeve to say that. See, that does she. No, she doesn't. One of the things that really, really bugged me about Egwene unbraiding her hair is that not not that she was trying to act like Moraine a little bit. Well, Mor Aes Sedai don't braid their hair, not at least they, unless they want to. And this Aes Sedai doesn't, so neither will I. Uh, it's more that it's literal heritage where she comes from. And she disregarded it like nothing. It's okay if she wants to try new things and experience new things. And try things different ways. But she's way too quick to abandon something she just decides is useless willy-nilly and it's weird and it, and it makes me very frustrated with her at the f beginning half of the series um i can think of some stuff that'll probably go on in this you know book that are gonna piss me off to no end but at the same time i don't hate her she just frustrates me and to be honest that might be what you're supposed to experience because at this point She's either stressing out Rand, worrying Rand, or driving him nuts. And since at this part of the story, we're in Rand's point of view, maybe that makes sense. Maybe we're going to get to one of her. Uh, we will get a point of view from her, and maybe that'll be good. We'll see. Uh, it has been a little, bit a little while, and I've already proven that while reading the book for the podcast, I've already started thinking about things in a bit... A slightly different way and it's very very fun very fascinating uh yeah hiding her unbraided hair that's where i was uh lands at the fireplace <laughs> that was the last note but i just went on a rant about uh Gwen's hair rand is the first to sit uh which prompts matt and perrin to follow sitting right next to him and uh i guess that Egwene sat too but i kind of missed that in the chapter i see it again later on she's with them but I don't remember reading them, her sitting down, which is weird. Um, and it's weird. Knowing what's coming up in the books, Rand gets a line that I feel should have gone to Perrin as it summarizes a huge portion of Perrin's character 
throughout the whole series. It's odd. I mean, I guess we're in Rand's point of view right now, but this seems like it should have gone to Perrin. Okay, and that quote we get from Rand is, sometimes you've got to grab a wolf by the ears. And that's what he, and he's talking about, you know, his nervousness with sitting down and talking to the wisdom and the eyes to die, right? And then once he sits down and gets ready, he remembers another quote following the same lines. But when you've got a wolf by the ears, it's as hard to hold on as to let go. Two quotes about wolves, and they basically summarize Perrin's whole character, and Rand spits them out in an inner monologue? I just... It's not just me, right? Because sometimes you grab, gotta grab a wolf by the ears is kind of Perrin's whole... He does what he has to do. And that's it. No more. He doesn't like to go over the line, and that's part of his character. And then when you've got when you've got a wolf by the ears, it's hard to let go. That could also be referring to him having to embrace his wolf brother's side. And how it's hard not to go too far with it. How it's hard to stay in the balance between a man and a wolf. And if you go all the way, you're lost. So he has to stay in that middle ground. He has to hold on to the wolf by the ears. I might be overthinking it, but it just... It feels like a wasted opportunity to give it to Rand. All this talk about wolves, and it just... it This should have been something Perrin says at some point. Parents like... This could have been perfect. They're about to go into the door. Perrin hesitates. And Rand makes note that Perrin hesitates. And then he's listening and Perrin kind of grumbles, well, sometimes you gotta grab a wolf by the ears. And he start, and he opens the door and they go in. And then you hear Matt in the background, yeah, but when you got a wolf by the ears, it's hard, as, it's hard to hold on as let go. That would have been perfect. And Rand would have heard everything and Perrin would have heard everything and Matt would have heard anything and it would have tied up and I'm just overdoing it. I'm overthinking it, but... It, it, it was a really fun thought when I was reading it. You, you, should, you guys should have seen my face. I basically just dropped the book and was like, Oh my God! This is amazing! This is one of the most important thoughts ever thought by history. <laughs> of readers of The Wheel of Time. <laughs> oh, I'm a ridiculous person. But it, it really did make an impact on me. And I, I, I want to know what you guys think about it. Let me know. Um... Where am I? Moraine tries to prompt the wisdom to speak now that they're all in, uh, now all the Edmonds Fielders are present. Okay, we're back on track. Uh, she wants to know how Nynaeve found them. That's very concerning. Lan wants to know too. He's actually the one that asked. It was like, how did you find us? What happened here? And she's like, well, first of all, uh, I knew you were in Berlon, because where else would you go, really? Oh, but just to, just to make sure, uh, I followed your trail. <laughs> and Lan's like, what? what, what, what? Like, it, and Rand's even noticing he's never seen the warder shocked ever, but the warder is clearly shocked. And he's like, oh my, what? If you can do that, even in the borderlands. And Nine breaks down at the compliment because they handed her a cup of tea. It's not, no, it's wine. It's not poisoned. She's taking sips, trying to act cool. And then he compliments her and she's burying her face in the wine. And Rand is like basically dropping his jaw. And he's like, she's blushing. Oh my God. 
Um, it, it, it was it was great. And uh, what's fun is uh, this scene actually made about made me think of another scene from an anime, uh, and it was in an early episode of Fairy Tale. Uh, and Urza accidentally steps on the pitfall, and Gray and Urza hear it. I mean, Gray and Natsu hear it, and they're both like, "She screamed like a girl." And the other one's like, yeah, and it was cute. Like, it had that same kind of impact. It's the same thing. It's the younger boys who kind of grew up with that, you know, elder sister type character. And she kind of displays another side of themselves. And they're like, whoa, I did not see that coming. I mean, Rand has like this whole inner monologue of his head stopping going, he's never seen anything like this. Has Nynaeve been composed? Absolutely. Angry? Yeah. Indignant? Sure. Outraged? A lot. But very professional, very dutiful, very wisdom of Emmons field. And he's never seen her completely out of sorts. You know what I mean? She's blushing. She's trying to hide that she's blushing. And, and, and it's just blowing Rand away. And Moraine prompts the, the wisdom again. Answer my questions. I've answered yours freely enough. And she's like, yeah. Y you've answered me with these Gleeman's lies. All I know is that four village youths were spirited away by an eye to die. And I'm here to take them home. She is here to take them home. This is why I love Nynaeve. Under different circumstances, I'd call her a hero. You heard me. Um, however, this is also why the danger has increased since she's arrived. Because, well, she's very stubborn. <laughs> I mean, but I want to go back to this. Really think about it. The only one that got permission to leave was Rand. Rand talked to Tam. Tam said, well, lad, I best guess you have to go. And he got permission. The others left a note. And while they all might be legally adults, we know enough, just by what we've read of Emmons Field, that this is a very tight-knit tight society. Okay? And they all see each other as this big family unit. Not always the closest. You know, the Congers and the Coplins are those cousins and uncles you hope... Don't come to the family reunion this year. But at the same time, they're this big community. And, uh... Their young was just gone. And not only that, three of the four youths were important future members of the village. The mayor's daughter and... Two, sur two surrogate children of the village councils. Perrin was Master Luhan's apprentice. Tam was on the village council. We, if nothing had ever happened in the Emmons Field, you know, 20 years from now, Perrin and, Ta uh, and Rand would have been on the village council. It's just, they're important. And they were just spirited away. And the village was kind of arguing about it, but we'll get into that later. I, I'm gonna I'm not gonna go too far, but Nynaeve is in the right to come after them. She's not in the right to take them away, whatever they say. And if we notice, that's not what she does. She has her say. So yeah. So she's not into it at this point though. She's like, you took these people away. Why should I leave them with you? 
And why should I trust an Aes Sedai? And Land gets pissed. And he tells her the whole Aes Sedai thing isn't known here. And she should guard her damn tongue better. But she's all upset about it. Why? Why should I hide her? Why should I help her? And this is actually the clip of the day I used because Tom Marilyn is a badass here, right? Tell me you did not enjoy Tom Marilyn's speech there when you got to the audiobook portion of my podcast after that ridiculous opening, right? Uh, Tom, he's stepping in, telling her she better care that if the White Cloaks or the few people who respect them here in town learn who Moraine is and who Lan is, they'll swarm over the inn like ants. They'll have a murderous, evil intention and rage. They'll burn and cause violence. And they won't be able to control any of it. There could be so many people in danger. And it won't just be Moraine. It just won't be Lan. It'll be Egwene, because she came too. It'll be Rand and Matt and Perrin, because they came too. It'll be, be Nynaeve, because she demanded publicly to be sat alone with her. It will be Tom, because he traveled with them. And they'll all be guilty. They'll all be in danger. And they'll be handed over to the White Cloak Questioners, and that is not something you ever want to happen. Listen to that goddamn explanation, and tell me you don't hate the White Cloaks more. It's amazing we get that Jordan got away with putting a character like Galad in the White Cloaks. It's amazing that the White Cloaks got so much goddamn screen time. Tell me they did not talk way too much. Tell me they were not around way too much. Oh, God. Oh. At least the older Bornhold was cool. I mean, Bayer was shit, but at least the older Bornhold seemed honorable. Even even Pedro Nile, when you first meet him, doesn't seem like completely nuts. Not completely awful. And then, or death. Ugh. <laughs> he destroys everything. He he just comes in like a plague. Pot on Fane is the worst. <laughs> and he's just, just the worst. <laughs> oh my god. He's not even in this chapter and I start thinking about him and he claims my frustrations. Oh, God. White cloaks and their hot irons and pincers only wanting one thing. Not the truth, because they think they already know that. All they want is a confession. So you better learn some secrets, or better left unsaid. And then he just finishes off with, I seem to be telling too many people that already lately. I'm getting way too involved. The gray fox is not acting rationally. <laughs> Oh man, guys, I'm, I'm going to be honest, I feel a little bad. Uh, after talking for a while nonstop, I had to go get myself something to drink. So I come back into my room, and the cat has gotten into my desk chair, and she's so comfortable looking, you know what I mean? She sees me, she knows I want the chair, and she kind of like rolls on her back with that whole, Oh, look how cute I am in the chair, aren't I adorable? You're not going to mess with me now, are you? And uh, I, I don't, I don't, I don't argue with my cat anymore. So I almost sat on her and she moved. <laughs> it, honestly, it sounds sad, but that's my go-to now because uh, I'll, I'll get up and walk across the room and I'll turn around and just as I'm walking back to the chair, she'll look at me and jump into the chair. 
You know, it's 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 a it's a power struggle, and I'm not gonna let her win. She already has too much of the room in this. <laughs> Anyways, uh, score one for the Glee Man, man. The wisdom zero, Glee Man one. It just. Uh, I love how they describe Tom as a bit me menacing here. And so menacing and so good with his words that Nynaeve and her iron backbone kind of bend just a bit under the pressure. You can tell there's that scene where she went to lean back from him and then stiffened her spine. Uh, I, I, I do love it. Tom can be an intimidating fella, and Tom is just the best. So, Land pra pra praises the Gleeman, but also gives off a bit of a, you know, surprised, well, I'm surprised to find out you're so concerned about us, Gleeman. And Tom's just like, I arrived with you guys too, okay? People know it. Also, he doesn't favor time with the white cloak questioners telling him to repent his sins and walk in the light. That's it, a good line. And it just, again, uh, the white cloaks are assholes. Sorry, I took a drink there. Uh, they are assholes, even more to me than more of assholes than I am to Baalzaman, apparently. It, I cannot believe <laughs> that went on as long as it did. You know, you don't expect the Heart of the Dark to show up to a recording session drunk. Um, I wonder how much of it he'll remember by next recording. Uh... I wonder how, how much of you know I'm doing an, <laughs> an ongoing bit and how many of you think I've gone crazy. Because sometimes, I tell you, having an overactive imagination that's kind of a powerful one. Uh, one of my favorite Stephen King quotes is, um, a writer is someone who taught their mind to misbehave. Oh, that is perfect for me. Uh, that's why I can't watch horror movies. I'm sorry, I got lost in my notes and I'm t rambling to keep up. That's why I can't watch horror movies. Uh, the first time I watched It, I was 17, man. Yet, I swear to God, I'm going to sleep. I look out the window and he's standing under underneath literally the only traffic light you could see outside my window when I was living in Montana for a minute. I knew it wasn't real. I knew it was my mind. I also knew... I was not a child, and I'm not, like, truly afraid. I know that, goddamn, my imagination is a bitch sometimes. It really is. I'm trying to, apparently, uh, I'm, I'm slowly swearing more as the podcast goes on. I'm kind of leaning into that <laughs> rating that I gave myself. Wow. Uh, so, yeah, Nynaeve claims that because of the White Cloaks wanting to kill her for who she is, is a very, very good reason for her to just take the kids back. You know what I mean? And Moraine's putting them in danger just by being near them. Again, that's Nynaeve's point of view. And in certain situations, it's not entirely wrong. But Rand and Matt and Perrin, they all interject together, which makes Rand at least feel better about as the wisdom's glare has to be spread between the three of them, which just shows how powerful her glare is. Now, I don't know about, you know, Nynaeve's glare, but, you know, you do meet those people with that, that, that mean look, you know? Some of them could be the nicest in the world, right? La la la, you piss them off, they give you one look, and you're like, I'm sorry. I I'm sorry. <laughs> like, 
I just I imagine that's how naive should be. Um, <laughs> not the nicest person in the world part, but the whole razor eyebrow, harden your eyes, and you're like, uh, uh, I, I know I was wrong, and I'll make up for it. <laughs> uh, Rand spoke first, though, so his friends leave it to him. They, they, there you go. <laughs> uh, I love how his friends stick with him through thick and thin, huh? <laughs> uh, Rand's like, they have to go. The Trollocs are trying to get them. The Trollocs are hunting them. If they come home, the Trollocs will most likely go back. And the towers, well, apparently the only safe place, and maybe even the only place to discover why they're being hunted in the first place. And then he's like, why are you talking like this too? You're talking like Tam. And <laughs> Rand's like, what? Apparently, Tam even got himself car his sickbed carried down to the town meeting and he tried to convince everybody with what Rand told him but since Moraine doesn't uh, Rand, uh, uh, since Nynaeve doesn't know that I love how she's like I wonder how Moraine got him to believe that strongly but no it's because he believes his son because Tam is an excellent father uh, Nynaeve's like, I, I, I just don't get it. Normally he's such a rational, you know, level-headed man. Better than most men. <laughs> oh, Nynaeve and her talk of men. That won't get old ever, will it? No. Uh, Matt and Perrin bring up how... Did their parents take them leaving? Was it bad? Are they upset? Uh, I love how apparently Abel Cawthon is more afraid that Matt will try one of his tricks on an Outlander and get his head thumped. He's much more worried about that than that Matt's with an Aes Sedai. And Nynaeve just brings it home with this just awful burn of, well, he was never just, he was never much smarter than you, Matt. And it's, Oh, the pain. Oh, that one's on fire. Tell me Nynaeve didn't just gain a point. I mean, it wasn't towards Moraine. It wasn't towards the Gleeman. It wasn't towards Lan. It wasn't towards any of the three intellectual decision-making bodies in the team. But it was towards one of the boys, and it was harsh. Oh. Uh, and parents just kind of like... I, um, uh, <clears throat> I suppose Master Luhan wasn't much pleased with me leaving either. And Nynaeve's like, did you expect him to be? What is wrong with you boys? You're all acting like idiots. I love you. You're, you're lovable lummoxes, but you're idiots. She doesn't say love you, but I don't know where that came from. I, I, they're a very close community, okay? They're all kind of like family. So that's where it came from. It was still wrong to say that part, though. Uh, but she, like, the boys are one thing, because they're all kind of dumbasses, according to Nynaeve. But she's expected better from a certain mayor's daughter. <laughs> and Egwene's like, I left a note. <laughs> oh, Nynaeve's about to explode. For reals, she is not happy. Just kind of that big inhale of, <gasps> a note? And Rand could see it. He's like, oh, God, no, this can't be good. Once she gets like this, once we can't stop her, once she gets this position of anger and digs her heels in, we are screwed. Position of anger, Rand. I think it's too late for that, but whatever. 
So he had to head her off. Again, Rand's not a dumb guy, but he is making a lot of stupid decisions here lately. And he just kind of blurts out. It's the best way to go right now. He's like, well, that's all fine and good, but we can't all, but we all just can't go back. We can't. We have to go forward. So there. <laughs> like, he, he, he put it all out in a rush. And what made it worse is at this point, all three, you know, had started talking. Nynaeve was like, a note. Moraine's like, wisdom, we need to talk. Egwene's like, I'm sorry. And then Rand blurts in and they all look at him and he's like, well, shit. <laughs> And it's, he kind of describes it as it it feels like when he walks in on a women's circle business meeting by accident and everyone looks at him like, get the hell out. <laughs> like it's, it's the exact same feeling he got there. <laughs> oh, poor Rand. Oh, I love how his friends are just sitting there quietly. <laughs> uh, Moran gets back to floor. It's her talk time now, right? And she's like, no, you're right, Wisdom. I cannot protect them from anything. Much like you can't help them if they get struck by lightning when they get back home in your two rivers. But it's not lightning they should be afraid of. It's the Dark One and his minions. I kind of just wonder, we're in Rand's head right now through this. But it would have been nice if he had a legal statement of, says you shouldn't be worried about lightning. Min says it's going to be coming in and out of me. What's, what's, it's going to be going at me and coming, coming out. What's, what's that supposed to mean? I'm a little bit concerned with lightning. <laughs> but no, no, that's not brought up at all. I keep grabbing the wrong mouse to scroll down on my notes. Yeah, it's the Dark One and his minions they should be afraid of. And from those, she can protect them. Her touching of the power offers certain protections. I don't recall off the top of my head what they are. I mean, she can ward her dreams, and therefore land's dreams, and therefore their dreams if they told her and slept, like, nearby at a campsite. But no, you're just going to let Baal Zaman win. Yeah. So she's like, no Merdral can harm them while they're near me. Which just seems like a lie. I, I suppose that means she can fight off every Merdral that comes near. But she didn't say that. So Moraine's crafty in the best and worst ways. Uh, but we do get a, a, a really cool limit of the warders sensing Shadowspawn here. When Maureen says, also, a trollic can't come within a quarter mile without land sensing it. So, we know an approximate, which is cool. Um, so, the trollocs were a quarter mile outside of town, and Maureen and land came running out saying, trollocs are coming, trollocs are coming, and it took a while, and everyone thought they were drunk, and then the trollocs appeared. Sounds, sounds legitimate to me. It sounds legitimate to me. So the Aes Sedai ends her public speech here with a, can you uh, offer them even half the protection I can? And Nynaeve's like, psh, psh, you set up straw men. <laughs> Followed by another really awesome quote, also involving wolves for some reason, but I don't care. I like it. We have a saying in the two rivers, whether the wolf beats the bear or the bear beats the wolf, the rabbit still loses. And the wisdom, all her desires here are very simple. 
She just wants Moraine to take her plots and her Aes Sedai motives somewhere else and leave Two Rivers folk out of it. But this is really all we get from them here. I mean, at least in the room. Uh, because at this point, Moraine um, tells Nine uh, Egwene to gather everybody and take them out so she can talk with the Wisdom alone. And Egwene has no problem with that. She gathers them all up with a glance, <laughs> which is amusing. They're just like, they want to get out so bad. She's like, all right, guys, widening of the eyes. And they're like, yeah, 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 let's go. Let's go. Let's get out now. Um, they get outside and Rand is so lost in thought about what the Wisdom and the Aes Sedai are talking about in there that he kind of loses track of the world until the door opens back up and Nynaeve comes out. And Nynaeve is startled to see Lan, who's heading back into the private dining room. Now this proves that Rand has lost his marbles, that Rand just stopped paying attention to literally anything, because when they were out in the hall, they had to go down the hall a bit, because Land kind of positioned himself out the door and waited until they were a good distance away and then kind of nodded and kind of went, oh, I'm not really, I've got better shit to do than this. And I want to take off. Uh, so he warns them not to talk out of turn and to think before they speak. And then he leaves. And then all of a sudden, Nynaeve's coming out and she bumps into Land. Where did Land come from? Rand, you need to pay more attention because we can only get things from you. Okay? So pay more attention. <laughs> uh, this just, it, it makes me wonder a little bit. Um, if the reason Lan kind of took off because he had better things to do for a second was because he kind of got into Nynaeve just as much as Nynaeve got into him. She's like, oh my god, he complimented me on tracking him. He's so wise and strong and so much better at a better match for me. Cause it, uh, uh, and uh, do you think Lan left the room with a whole, oh my god, she tracked me. That is impressive. She's a lioness. The wisdom's a lioness. I, it's going with that lioness analogy from later that just makes me crack up. I don't know. These guys do not have an irrational love, okay? They kind of notice each other. They're into it. And then all of a sudden, they're spouting poetry at, to each other later, okay? <laughs> There's just a sudden jump at a certain point in the story where these two are just making googly eyes at each other. And these two are proclaiming undying love. And it happens in this very novel, it, which is just... it's. It, Oh my god. Anyways, moving on. Uh, this is where we get a really, really nice Nynaeve moment. To me, this is who she really is. When she's not forcing herself to be angry in order to channel as much as possible. Nor is she challenging someone or trying to prove herself to someone. Or trying to be in charge or anything at all. She's just allowed to be her. And this is Nynaeve being herself. So as Nynaeve leaves the room and heads over to Rand, he notices that his friends ditched him again because they're swell. <laughs> Nynaeve comes up. He's trapped, but he shouldn't be because Nynaeve is ridiculously pleasant here. Uh, I like how she looks at him and gives the first of many the sword seems to suit you thing. She just taps Tam's sword and she's like, this seems to suit you now. I wish it wouldn't, but it does, um, which is really cool. And they have this fun little talk of why in particular she's there to look for him than anyone else. Because Rand's like, why are you here? Is 
well says send the mayor as the wisdom. It doesn't make any sense. And Nynaeve is amused by it. She's just like, oh, you have grown up in the last week since I've seen you. That's interesting. Rand from a week ago would never have questioned my comings and goings. And he's just like, well, you're just thinking too much of it. Why? <laughs> and she's like, all right, all right. Um, the village can't make a decision. They're split equally down the middle. Uh, half want to rescue you, though they have no idea how they're supposed to do that from an Aes Sedai. And the other half kind of favor Tam. And Rand's like, you, yeah, you think I should keep going? And she's like, no. She thinks you, we think you should be with people other than her. And all the men were volunteering to come after you and keep, keep you company through this. You know, Tam t wanted to go even though he could barely, like, stand up. And Bran Alvere wanted to go with the scales of office on his chest, probably worried about his daughter and his potential son-in-law in that situation. Uh, you know, if you did think about it, maybe Bran was considering uh, Rand to be the mayor one day. Could have happened. It really could have happened. Tam could easily have been a mayor. Of Emmonsfield. Uh, Harl Lujan wanted to go until Osbeth made him sit down. That's the best part ever. <laughs> even ha even uh, Sen Bui wanted to come. Why? Uh, Nynaeve doesn't know. Like, maybe he has a softer spot for the boys than he lets on. I, I just... <laughs> I love that Sen Bui wanted to go, but I think Sen Bui would have caused trouble so bad. Um, she states that she could tell it would be another day or so before anybody came to the decision, and she felt there wasn't enough time, like she had to leave soon, like she had to go to them soon, like she was being summoned by Taviran. Taviran. They totally pulled in Nynaeve because they needed her, and they will always need her, man. Uh, it makes sense that near the end of this crazy, ridiculous journey, when Rand Althor is at his most paranoid and edgedness, and while he's at his most saint-like, the woman he trusts most to like, guard his back and heal him if something goes wrong is Nynaeve Almira. And that just proves true to me. Like, Egwene was supposed to be his advisor early on, but it became Nynaeve, his voice of reason, and it was good. It was good. I love Nynaeve. <laughs> I just do. So, yeah, Nynaeve gathered the women's circle, explained what had to be done, and left. And I love it. And Rand asks, what else Maureen and her talked about? And uh, before she tells him, she pulls him down the hall a bit, away from the open door, uh, which has... Moraine and Land still inside, probably listening. <laughs> uh, and she says the Aes Sedai was asking questions about them. About if any of them were born outside the two rivers. And this hits Rand hard as the truth hits him. And he's like, he, he said, he said he found me. But I, and, and he's shaking, and, and, and I just, I love how Nynaeve looks up at him. She's like, oh, Rand. And she takes his head in her hands, and she just comforts him. And she's like, I just, she's great. And she's like, Tam was your father. 
And Cariel Thor was your mother. She, she tells Rand that she was just old enough to remember when Tam returned to the village. A young man with a babe swaddled and a beautiful red-haired outlander wife. And she said she remembers watching the way how Kari Althor used to hold Rand. How she, the pride she took as she sh showed him off to the women around Emmons Field was just like any mother she had ever seen before and after. And that Kari was his mother. Now, I don't know if she's saying, like uh, Land does later, it's the people who raise you that are your parents, not necessarily blood, or she honestly believes he is Kari and Tam's son, just born outside the two rivers, you know? And uh, Rand is like, oh, great. So, I mean, at least I was just born outside, right? Tam is still my father, right? Tam is my father. <laughs> Let's just not go into that, but it's kind of on his head, in his head. And uh, at this point, he, he gets a little ashamed of himself for a minute because he asks just for a second if it's like, was Perrin or Matt born outside? No, I don't want to know. It's none of my business. Uh, and Nynaeve's like, no. It's not any of your business. <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, but Rand's like, well, I know it's not. But it would have been nice if maybe, it, perhaps it would be good to know if Maureen had any specific interest in one of them more than all three of them together. And he's right. And she's interested in him the most. But at this point, she doesn't know they're all tied together without question. So, yeah. Um, he asks if Nynaeve told Moraine this. And I love Nynaeve's like, no. <laughs> what? Are you serious? No, of course not. It's, this is Two Rivers business and none of hers. <laughs> oh, oh, Nynaeve. Oh, oh, Nynaeve. Uh, so at this point, Rand is thinking of Min's warning about Nynaeve being a part of it. So Rand asks Nynaeve if she's coming with them. And she's like, what? No, what? Why? She's only there to hopefully convince them to go back with her before she leaves. She wasn't really planning on going any further with them. A wisdom's up from Devon Ride looking after the town, but she's going to want to go home soon, and I need to get back. Oh, oh, that's kind of a sad prospect. I wonder how long Emmons failed or Devon Ride was without a wisdom while Nynaeve never came home. I know Days Conger becomes the next window wisdom, but uh, how long does that take? Uh, <laughs> so it kind of uh, ends with like Rand kind of going, you do believe us though, you really do. And she's like, yes, I know something's after you. I just don't like her, and I think you'll all be better off away from her. I wonder if she's including the big stony-faced warder in that. Is she already have desires? Uh, designs. Designs on stealing a warder? <laughs> Anyways, so the chapter ends with Rand kind of going, what are you going to do now, Nynaeve? And she's like, well, today I'll have a bath. Tomorrow we'll see. And that's a great way to end the chapter. Do you see how wise she is? How kind she is? This is who she is without all that anger bullshit. I love Nynaeve so much. This was a fantastic chapter. I loved it. I loved it. I loved it. I loved it. It was simply great overall.
I, 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 every second of it, and I can't, I can't seem to think of anything other than I love it, and, oh, yeah, that damn wolf quote, grab the wolf by the ears, it should have totally been about Perrin, it, it describes his damn struggle, think about it, Rand is the meek, uh, is the mild-mannered, but hard-backboned shepherd who needs to learn to become a king, so he needs to learn to take command, and then he needs to learn humbleness after that, right? Matt uh, goes through this whole curse of an evil dagger that fills him with hatred and paranoia and just all these awful emotions. And when this thing is finally stripped from him, what happens? Matt's pranks don't involve messing with other people at their expense anymore. Matt's pranks are only on the enemy now. You notice that? It, it's it's like after losing the taint, he's taken a lot of that pettiness away too. And just becomes more pure concentrated Matt. And grab the ear by the wool grab the wolf by the ears, bite that middle middle balance between man and beast, that was Perrin's whole damn thing. It was just oh man. Well, I think that's it for the chapter. I don't want to keep going on. Um, don't really got anything else to say about it. Might drop a few personal lines. So if all you care about is what's left is the chapter, we're done with that. You guys can take off. Um, I hope you had a good time. Uh, if you have any questions or anything, you know, gleemanradio at gmail.com or the Gleeman at Twitter or comment or something. It would all be great. Support Baal Zaman through his hard time, okay? Like, tell him how great he is, because I don't, I don't want to deal with this again. Uh, so I'm just gonna, I'm just gonna go on for a few minutes and talk about nothing. Uh, so I love podcasts, or I thought I did, and I used to listen to them a lot, but then I guess I went a couple years without listening to them at all, which surprised me when I really thought about it. And the first time I really got back into them was with Wheel of Time rereads. It's kind of what inspired me to do this podcast because I was having so much fun with them. Um, that I, I, I wanted to make my own. I knew the series. I loved the series. Um, and I thought I would have a lot to talk about, which apparently is true. Um, but then, uh, the other day I had some chores to do around the house. And I wanted something to listen to. And the only, uh, Wheel of Time podcast I follow, um, up to date is The Dragon Reread, which is a very fine podcast. Uh, if you enjoy mine at all about, you know, the Eye of the World, about the Wheel of Time, uh, I'd go check out there, The Dragon Reread, because it's quite, it's quite fun. It really is. Um, so I want to do these chores, but I didn't want to listen to The Wheel of Time at the moment, either podcast or audiobooks, because I can't listen to the audiobooks anymore, at least of the book I'm recording, uh, without needing to have the computer in front of me to take notes. <laughs> I just get that desperate need. Uh, so I need to do these chores, and I decided... Uh, you know what? I got this Podbean app while I was doing the podcast, uh, and I've been using it a little bit, but one of the podcasts I went and followed was Harmontown. I loved Harmontown. I'm a Harmenian all the way. Um, I love Community. Uh, I love Rick and Morty. I love their, uh, their Dungeon Quest. I love Harmon Quest. That's what it's called. Harmon Quest. Uh, I love Great Minds with Dan Harmon. I've watched it all. I was a huge Harmontown fan, and so I'm looking through. I'm like, all right, what episode was I on? Problematizing. 
I, I had it downloaded on one of my uh, on my old phone, and I looked up problematizing on the podcast app, and it was three years ago. I haven't listened to Harmontown in three years, and I'm horrified. It was so long. Oh no! I mean, I don't know. Maybe it was the stuff that was going on in my life right then. I don't know. I just stopped listening, and I was shocked. So I started listening, and I was laughing my ass off through the whole thing. If any of you haven't listened to Harmontown, uh, I'd really consider giving it a shot. It is a truly, truly entertaining podcast. It has Dan Harmon, which is the writer uh, and creator of like things like Community, uh, that animated movie from a while back, Monster House. He's one of the creators of Rick and Morty, you know, all this stuff. He's a very, very talented guy. Uh, Rick on Rick and Morty, his voice is actually a kind of impression of drunks, uh, of drunks, of Dan's drunk voice. And the funny thing is, is if you listen to the Harmon, Harmontown, you'll get that. <laughs> you really will. Uh, or go to Verve and watch Harmon Quest, which is literally the gang playing Dungeons and Dragons with a bit of animated put in. It's with comedians. It's, oh, it's fantastic. He actually used to play D&D on the show. And then because they started making the D&D show, they had to stop, which pissed me off because I still wanted to know more about the adventures of the wizard Sharpie Butzelot <laughs> and his buddy, uh, Quark, the gnome barbarian. <laughs> Sounds ridiculous, but it was great, guys. It was, it was great. Um, and uh, it, what was it? What was it? Uh, the Quark was played by Jeff Davis, who is this incredibly talented, very funny comedian in improv. Uh, you guys might know him from Whose Line Is It Anyways. He was one of the two guys in a suit, but he didn't have the pompadour. He wasn't Greg Proops. He was Jeff Davis, and he was very, very funny. Uh, and he's the comptroller. So it would be the mayor of Harmontown and the comptroller. And uh, I, I was laughing my ass off. Uh, I've, I've watched, listened to four episodes but I'm kind of horrified because I am, what, three years behind and he does one a week and they're all like two hours plus an episode. It's going gonna, it's gonna to take a while. It's, it's going to take a while. Uh, and not only that, you know, a side tangent to that, that to me that's also funny is I was actually relieved at the end of Game of Thrones. I've still never watched an episode. I have not read the books. Um, to me, the idea of a story I don't want to worry that my favorite character is going to die the next episode or the next chapter. I want to invest in a character, and if that character died, by God, it better have been earned or I'm going to rage quit. So that's why I don't think Game of Thrones would be good for me, especially with my last name being legitimately Stark. Do you know how many times I've heard this? Oh, your name is Stark? You must love Game of Thrones. House of Stark, right? I have no idea what you're talking about. No. No. If we're going to go that way, my job is to have a son, name him Tony, get him interested in robotics, put him through a good college, and let him take care of me for the rest of my life after that. You know? <laughs> so Game of Thrones ended, and I'm like, all right, that's good. Wheel of Time's coming, the TV show, getting excited. And so I get into Harmontown, and what's happening? All four damn episodes, Dan has to stop and talk about Game of Thrones for at least 10 to 20 minutes. <laughs> oh my god. 
Oh my god, it's 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 hilarious to me. I don't know how many people are still listening right now. Um, I just figured every now and then I might do that. I might blabber on for a little bit after we're done talking about the actual chapter. So I, it's good. If and it, seriously, if any of you guys haven't checked out Harmontown, it is definitely the non Wheel of Time podcast. I would recommend. It's great. It actually has like a whole. Uh, there's there's a person there that goes through a whole arc, you know. I was talking about the D and D in Harmontown, and that brings in Spencer Crittenden, who is just this really cool guy from everything I've heard through the podcast and through the Harmontown movie and all of that. He was just this dude in the audience one day when Dan's like, "I want to do D and D on stage. Does anyone hear a dungeon master?" Spencer Crittenden raises his hand. Right here we are years later, right? This dude who sat in the back of a podcast in a comic book shop who raised his hand to chat with a writer and maybe be his dungeon master. He went on to be Dan's assistant for a while. He was the guy, if anybody's seen the community episode where Annie's brother shows up and he's this big, huge, awesome guy with a really long beard... That is Spencer Crittenden, and the character he played in that episode is, from what I understand, the man he is. He is that's the man who shows up in all of Harmontown, and it's crazy. It's crazy. I'm just talking about a different podcast now. But if you can't tell, I'm a Harmenian people, and I love it, and I'm so, it's so fun to listen to my favorite podcast again. And it's just crazy to me, because I, I will call it my favorite podcast and what's crazy to me is how did I go three years? It was never bad. It never dipped to I'm not enjoying this. One day I just didn't feel like listening to it that day. I think I'd been listening to it nonstop for a month because every now and then I, I, I think at that point I stopped listening by accident for a while uh, when Dan got divorced and uh, his ex-wife, who was a wonderful person, uh, was the co-host a co-host and she left the show and I was depressed about it (laughs) I'm sorry Dan Harmon I can't watch your podcast or listen to your podcast because I am too depressed about your divorce with your wife (laughs) no matter that you have to go back on stage and do it anyways right (laughs) oh man I'm done I'm done it is one in the morning I'm rambling I hope you all have a wonderful day wherever you are morning afternoon or evening check out a podcast you've never listened before watch a show you've never seen read a book you've read before for the hell of it because why not take care everybody peace out bye